This morning's first scripture reading comes from the book of Leviticus, chapter 19, verses 33 through 34. When an alien resides with you in your land, you shall not oppress the alien. The alien who resides with you shall be to you as the citizen among you. You shall love the alien as yourself, for you were aliens in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord, your God. The word of the Lord. Our second scripture reading is from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 6, verses 7 through 13. I invite you to read along in your pew Bible or to actively listen. Jesus called the twelve and began to send them out two by two. And he gave them authority over the unclean spirits. He ordered them to take nothing for their journey except a staff. No bread, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not to put on two tunics. He said to them, wherever you enter a house, stay there until you leave the place. If any place will not welcome you and they refuse to hear you as you leave, Shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. So the, the, the disciples went out and proclaimed that all should repent. 
And they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick, and they cured them. The word of the Lord. Back in seminary, way back in seminary now, I spent a summer in Perryville, Arkansas at Heifer International Teaching Ranch. You might be familiar with Heifer International. It is the organization that builds communities by giving animals to help build or rebuild communities that have been impacted by famine or poverty or war. Their teaching ranch in Arkansas is a place where groups can spend time learning about Heifer International, about sustainable development, animal husbandry, and what can be done so the world can feed itself. While I had many responsibilities that summer, such as turning the compost pile, training water buffalo, and feeding goats, I was also responsible for leading groups through what is called the Global Village. The Global Village was a section of the farm that represented different countries by featuring homes and gardens and special projects that Heifer was working on throughout the world. Groups could spend a day or a few nights literally in someone else's shoes. In the Global Village experience, groups would be separated by lottery into different families where they were given common resources where that, that they would find in their own location. So for example, if you were staying in the mud hut that represented Africa, you received a portion of milk and a couple eggs. If you were raised, uh, living in the raised house that represented Thailand, you received a large portion of rice. And if you were staying in the house that represented Guatemala, which was by the standards in the global village, the wealthiest of them all, you had electricity, you had eggs, and you had the option to kill the rabbit. Cue the music, Mark Anderson, right? Kill the rabbit. <laughs> I thought you were gonna, I, I didn't warn you, you got it, okay. The idea was that the groups had to trade or barter in order to create a modest meal for the evening. And it was always interesting to see what would happen. In this global village experience, not everyone was placed in a family. We always had a couple that were without country. They were given nothing. No food, no resources. And if they wanted to be fed that evening, they were going to have to fully rely on the hospitality of others. For the last few weeks, we have been talking about hospitality, God's example of hospitality, offering hospitality to those we know and those we don't know. And often, when we talk about hospitality, our conversations are rather one-sided. We tend to talk about our hospitable nature, 
our hospitality as a gift or our willingness to extend hospitality, all the while patting ourselves on the back. But when was the last time that you accepted hospitality? When was the last time that you relied on hospitality? This morning, Jesus sends out the twelve, two by two, to cast out demons and comfort and heal those who were sick. And there isn't much else to the text except for this packing list, which is light. No bread, no bag, no money, only one tunic. It's quite light, especially for not knowing exactly where you're going. So I'm curious about how difficult that would be for some of you to pack light. My friend Diane, whom I've had the opportunity to travel as far as Sri Lanka with and as close to her own backyard. And no matter where we go, she always packs the same big red suitcase. And I would remind her that we're only going overnight, to which her response would be, yeah, but I'm not really sure what we're going to be doing. I don't know what I'm going to need. She makes all of us look really good. I get the feeling that one of y'all packs a big red suitcase, no matter. All right. <laughs> You don't know. <laughs> and even in this modern age of travel, when airlines charge you now for actually wanting a seat to sit in and luggage that you're going to bring and the carry-on, you would think that we would all find a way to pack light. But it's difficult. The text doesn't share how the disciples felt about packing light just that they went out and proclaimed that all should repent, and they cast out many demons and anointed many with oil who were sick, and they cured them. Jesus wants the disciples to depend upon the hospitality offered to them. Now, as we talked about, hospitality was a vital part of the ancient world. There's not a lot of hotels and restaurants along that, that dirt road. So people depended upon the hospitality of others for food and for shelter when traveling. Travel would not have been possible without the assumption and the expectation of hospitality. Back up to the beginning of this chapter 6 in Mark. We find that Jesus is in his hometown of Nazareth teaching in the synagogue. And things do not go as planned. And that must have been such a disappointment. This place, Nazareth. Jesus' hometown. This should be the easy crowd. He should be liked here. He's known. But instead of a community being proud of what he could do, they questioned 
who he was and what he was doing. And he's rejected. They question his origin. Isn't he that son of Mary? This homegrown Nazareth boy was not popular like one might expect. And he was able to do much there. And isn't that the case? When we expect things in life to be easier, why isn't there more welcome? Why isn't there more energy? Why can't we get this project off the ground? We can take a cue from Jesus. When insular is the reaction to offered healing, when fear and retreating is the response to anointings and the gospel, we can take a cue from Jesus who responds with the opposite movement, who reaches out. And so Jesus sends out his disciples. And Jesus tells his disciples, not only will we go to the people, we will reach out to the people. I imagine Jesus saying to the disciples, while the world needs to experience the hospitality from you as a way of experiencing the love of God, you too need to remember to receive hospitality so you can remember that same love. Sometimes accepting hospitality is not always easy. It's often uncomfortable. A theology of hospitality requires reassessing everything, practices and language and symbols and rituals, and where we falsely assume power is located. It is often difficult to accept hospitality. It is often difficult to accept the care of others. I think about my friend Wyatt, who is in the midst of brain cancer. And he and his wife are daily living into the choice that they made to love each other for better or for worse. He has no choice but to accept the profound hospitality that she offers. I think about the kids throughout our country who will muster up the courage and strength as they head back to school, scared perhaps about what it will be like or if they will be liked. Or perhaps they walk through that school door for the first time after experiencing a school shooting. And they will accept the hospitality of their teachers and their friends. And that takes profound courage. Or maybe this week you admit your own need for hospitality. Maybe this week you walk through the doors open to you and let go of your excuses about discomfort and time and worthiness. Maybe this week you truly give up control and give in to what others want to offer to you. The choice to accept hospitality 
is a choice to live differently. It means not living in fear, but reaching out. It means being vulnerable and accepting help. It means letting go of our ego and control and acknowledging that we are indeed dependent upon others. Our story today suggests that part of walking in the ways of Jesus is not just offering hospitality, but accepting hospitality from others. It means living into the unknown, not having everything planned out, relinquishing control, and trusting in the Holy Spirit. And while this is difficult, it is worth it. Because to experience the kind of hospitality that Jesus has in mind is to experience the love of our God. So deep and so wide and so huge, the love of our God which shows mercy no matter what. The love of our God which became flesh so that the doors of the divine heart might be flung open for all. Let it be so.